Chapter 5 of Notwithstanding by Mary Chumley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter 5 And he the wind whipped, any wither wave, crazily tumbled on a shingle grave, to waste in foam. George Meredith. Towards evening Dick regained consciousness. Annette, that was always the first word. Here, that was always the second. I lost the way back, he said breathlessly. I thought I should never find it, but I had to come. He made a little motion with his hand, and she took it. You must help me. I have no one but you. His eyes dwelt on her. His helpless soul clung to hers, as hers did to his. They were like two shipwrecked people. Were they not indeed shipwrecked? cowering on a raft, together, alone, in the great ring of the sea. "'What can I do?' she said. "'Tell me, and I will do it.' "'I've made no provision for Mary, or, or the little one. I promised her I would when it was born, but I haven't done it. I thought of it when I fell on my head, but when I was better next day I put it off. I always put things off. And it's not only Mary. There's Halvor and the Scotch property and all the rest.' "'If I die without making a will, it will all go to poor Harry.' He was speaking rapidly, more to himself than to her. "'And when father was dying, he said, "'Roger ought to have it. "'Father was a just man. "'And I like Roger, and he's done his duty by the place, which I haven't. "'He ought to have it. "'Annette, help me to make my will. "'I was on my way to the lawyers to make it when I met you on the bridge.' Half an hour later, in the waning day, the notary arrived, and Dick made his will in the doctor's presence. His mind was amazingly clear. "'Is he better?' asked Mrs. Stoddart of the doctor, as she and the nurse left the room. "'Better. That is the last flare-up of the lamp,' said the doctor. "'He is right when he says he shan't get back here again. He is riding his last race, but he is riding to win.' Dick rode for all he was worth, and urged the doctor to help him to keep his mind from drifting away into the unknown. The old doctor thrust out his underlip, and did what he could. By Dick's wish, Annette remained in the room, but he did not need her. His French was good enough. He knew exactly what he wanted. The notary was intelligent, and brought with him a draft for Dick's signature. Dick dictated, and whispered earnestly to him. Eh, oui, oui, said the notary at intervals. Parfaitement. Monsieur peut se fier à moi. At last it was done and Dick, panting, had made a kind of signature, his writing dwindling down to a faint scrawl after the words, Richard the Gate, which were fairly legible. The doctor attested it. "'She must witness it too,' said Dick insistently, pointing to Annette. The notary glanced at the will, realised that she was not a legatee, and put the pen in her hand, showing her where to sign. "'Madame will write here?' He indicated the place under his own crabbed signature. She wrote mechanically her full name, Annette Georges. "'But, madame,' said the notary, bewildered, "'is not the madame's name the same as monsieur's?' "'Madame is so lately married that she sometimes signs her old name by mistake,' said the doctor, smiling sadly. He took a pained interest in the young couple, especially in Annette. "'I am not monsieur's wife,' said Annette. The notary stared, bowed, and gathered up his papers. The doctor busied himself with the sick man, spent and livid on his pillow. "'Approach them, madame,' he said, with a great respect. 
It is you, Monsieur Leeds. And he withdrew with the notary. Annette groped her way to the bed. The room had become very dark. The floor rose in long waves beneath her feet, but she managed to reach the bed and sink down beside it. What mattered now if she were tired? She had done what he asked of her. She had not failed him. What matter if she sank deeper still, down and down, as she was sinking now? "'Annette!' Dick's voice was almost extinct. "'Here!' "'The wind is coming again, across the sea, across the mountains, over the plains. It is the wind of the desert. Can't you hear it?' She shook her head. She could hear nothing but his thin thread of voice. "'I am going with it, and this time I shan't come back. Good-bye, Annette.' "'Good-bye, Dick.' His eyes dwelt on hers with a mute appeal in them. The forebreath of the abyss was upon him, the shadow of the outer dark. She understood, and kissed him on the forehead with a great tenderness, and leaned her cold cheek against his. And as she stooped, she heard the mighty wind of which he spoke. Its rushing filled her ears, it filled the little chamber where those two poor things had suffered together, and had, in a way, ministered to each other and the sick-room with its gilt mirror and its tawdry wallpaper, and the evil picture never absent from Annette's brain, stooped and blended into one, and wavered together as a flame wavers in a draught, and then together vanished away. "'The wind is taking us both,' Annette thought, as her eyes closed. End of chapter 5